Hey everybody, welcome to the speaking podcast in for the vacationing Bill Spady. It's me, Jay Black. Jessica is on maternity leave. That just leaves me, a person with no vacation and literally nowhere to go and, and whose children don't want him in his life. I'm joined today by someone whose name you're about to know internationally. Like very soon, you know, Jonathan, I'll introduce you in a second very soon. You better not say anything bad on this podcast because when you become a world famous director, this is where they're going to come to cancel you. You do understand that. Well, it's too late already. Oh, really? Is there stuff out there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm joined. Now, do you, do you just go by Jonathan Lewis or can I just call you Jonathan Lewis Lewis, which is how I think of you because if it's in my phone. Yeah, yeah. That's that. Well, that's that's what I did. You know, that was my uh, IMDb uh, thing because. I it was a nickname I had for a long time, Lewis Lewis. A lot of people used to call me, and then so when I was on IMDb, Jonathan just fills into the masses. There's a ton right. of Jonathans, so I just added my nickname on the end. It is my last name, right. but I added my nickname, and so Lewis Lewis goes straight to the top of the charts on IMDb. Well, Jonathan Lewis Lewis, who was a producer on Psycho Storm Chaser. And who has just moved into the director's chair for the next movie. I don't want to talk too much about the next movie. We try to stay mum on the podcast until it yeah. actually gets closer to happening. I think in part because both Bill, me, and Jessica are Catholics. So like we you have that like, <laughs> like scared, like God's going to hear me and punish me for talking about this. But I can say another Exit 19 joint is about to be produced. Jonathan will be directing it, and uh, Jonathan was, you know, really the unsung hero. I'm singing you now, Jonathan, so you're not unsung. <laughs> Thanks. Of, of Psycho uh, Storm Chaser, uh, because we just met a little bit ago. I Bill knows you, and he, yeah. was, he said that Jonathan was the man because I would have 10,000 conversations with him a day, and he had to figure out how to make a movie for basically zero dollars. For nothing, yeah, absolutely. Because people find out about the uh, the uh, budget and they go, um, well, $250,000, that's a lot of money. That is a sneeze yeah, no, in Hollywood. No, not really. <laughs> I, I was just listening to a podcast about the, the history of Halloween. Uh, mm -hmm. It's Blank Check. Do you ever listen to Blank Check? Yeah, I, no, I've, I've heard it. I, I haven't listened to it. Well, they're, they're doing uh, John Carpenter's filmography right now. And oh, they're talking cool. about the budget for Halloween. Do you happen to know the budget for Halloween, Jonathan? Uh, it was about, I think it was, what was it? Under It was under a million. What, yep. And I, ooh, I should know this. Was it, was it a, a 500000 $300,000 in 1978 money. Which yeah. in American dollars today, that's $1.4 billion. That was the budget in 1978. <laughs> and we did a movie in 2021 for $250,000, Jonathan. It's insane yeah. what we did. It is well, what you did. So if uh, one of the things that uh, bugs me is, you know, when I first got into this business, I'm just an English teacher from New Jersey, right? Doing comedy on the side. Uh, my best friend, Brian Herzlinger, I don't know if you know Brian, 
Uh, he's uh, out in Hollywood and he's like, you know, he just made a movie that made some some waves. And he's like, hey, you should do screenwriting yeah. with me. So I start screenwriting with him. Oh. I learned the business through him, not through film school or anything else. I had my English yeah. degree and my best friend and I learned it through him. And one of the eye-opening things for me was how influential the producer is in making the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah you think director, you think writer, you think star. And I think the director, because of auteur theory, you know, for 20 yeah. years, talk, the director's vision is the only one that matters. But, you know, it, more, more and more now, when you think Jason Blum, when you think Kevin Feige, we're in a producer's yeah. world right now. Yeah. So could you do yeah, absolutely. and explain well, what a producer is and what they do? Because I don't think most people know. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on the, it goes project to project, but mainly producer does does a, a lot of things. I mean, obviously the crew is the backbone of any movie and they, and they take the brunt of everything day to day. But producers are doing that as well. And they're pretty much covering all the bases. You're, you're like, you know, the owner of the restaurant and you're basically trying to make sure that everything is taken care of so that those different heads of departments can do their jobs efficiently. Uh, so the director can have the scenes that he wants so that, you know, everything is lined up uh, in financial and, and what have you. So I, I like that uh, analogy a lot. You're the you're the guy that lets the chef cook, but you're yeah. also the guy that makes sure that the waiters are all hired and they're on time. The dishwasher's there. The, the yeah. actual ingredients are where they need to be. And you allow all of those things to happen so that when the chef goes, I need turnips, turnips appear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, and when it comes down to it, it, you know, it'll fall back on the producer. I mean, there's parts of the parts of the job where the stuff on the screen, the director gets the brunt of it. But I mean, ultimately, during production and post-production or actually all phases pre principal and post it's like you know the producer it's your job to make sure things are going and running and happening you know i'm not so uh scott Rud rudin and harvey weinstein uh, awful monstrous people but when they throw stuff against the wall is there a part of you that goes i kind of want to throw stuff against the wall too i would never do it but there's a lot of tension here and i want to throw something Especially when you're trying to do deliverables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, yeah, they were monstrous people and, and, and for the, the other things they were involved in. Right. But as, as being, I think that came with experience of doing it for so many years, producing for so many years. But um, where they, it seems like they're throwing things against the wall. But really, it's it's an eye for certain talents. It's an eye for certain movies. It's an eye for knowing what's in the market. It's kind of like that guy. What's that um, that uh, internet guy um, with uh, was it Bitcoin? I think uh, Gary V. You heard of Gary V? Uh, no, that that, that sounds he's, like he's uh, a, he's like an entrepreneur that direct, made a uh, human dollars. Is that him? <laughs> <laughs> He, he made like a billion dollars as an entrepreneur, but he learned the, the 
biggest thing that he learned is he learned human behavior and he could predict it. And so it's kind of, I use that analogy with the movies. It's like great producers that have done that. It's kind of like they, they learn the, the human behavior of movie making, I should right. say. No. That's, a, that's a very interesting thought because uh, I, I, I'm thinking of the Steve Jobs movie where mm -hmm. you know, he says, uh, you know, everybody has an instrument to play and Steve Wozniak turns to Jobs and goes, well, what do you play? And he goes, I play the orchestra. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like yeah. that, right? Yeah, a bit. it's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, it's, it's absolutely true. Now, like most people, you want to direct, and like most people, unlike most people, you're getting an opportunity to. Here's my question: When you were but a little boy, what yeah. was the the movie? Do you have like a moment or a movie that you saw that made you go? this is an industry that I want to be a part of, like a moment where you realize this is a job you could have, uh, something that made you want to learn more about it. Like what's your sort of seminal moment as a, uh, as a kid? Um, I mean, well, it's interesting because it was, it wasn't, I never thought of it that way. It was me. I have two older brothers and we were always into movies and we were always making our own movies. Like there's a VHS out there of like five films that we made as kids that, you know, I would never show, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you go, when you go on a talk show in five years, when you're yeah. directing, you know, uh, into the multiverse two, you're going to have to show something, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it actually came. I mean, we we would always make films. We would do stuff around the house. We were. It, I mean, all growing up, my brother was uh, worked at a video store, and then he would rent the camera or take the camera, and we'd shoot our own stuff. And I was always into horror movies. My brother ended up being like a big uh, influence in that. He was uh, involved in the horror community big time uh, with merchandising and sure. stuff. And Still is today's and graphic. A lot novels. of money to be made in horror movies. People don't realize that? Horror, a lot of money to be made. Yeah, yeah, movies. yeah, definitely. A lot you, of you money, be... a lot of, and you can do things on the cheap. And that's where my, all my style, like this is why we're able to make the 250 uh, feature film. But I mean, I think it came because I was writing. I used to like to write just mm. like you. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to write. I like to be done writing. <laughs> But I, you know, and then I, I think it was in high school, I, I saw like, oh, wait, you know, you write something and then the whole thing gets changed. And it's not anything that you originally wrote the first time. So right. I said, how did what what chair do I need to be in where I can have control <laughs> over that? That's a, that's a very good point. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> don't realize yeah, you do write a script and then later, it's four months later, you see a movie and you go. Uh, yeah, I believe some of those might be my words. I'm not 100%. Yeah, yeah, it's completely changed. And and you know how it is. You get no respect. Yeah. You know, I, here's here's what I'll tell you. Honestly, and this is this is no no fooling. Uh, I think because I, I I live and work in New Jersey and every movie, I think I've got 8 or 9 movies now that have been made that I wrote. Every time I send them out, they disappear into the ether. Unless I'm in them, I don't see them again till they're basically done. And yeah. I kind of like the idea, uh, like the collaborative nature of what we do, 
it, it's kind of interesting to you, you you send it out into the world and when it comes back to you it's like everybody put their influences on it and sometimes those influences yeah. make it into something great and you go i'm proud to be a part of that and sometimes those influences you go but i really hope no one ever sees this on my imdb <laughs> or else i'm toast so you know it's i i kind of dig it but i know where you're coming from where where can i control it it's the yeah, director's yeah. chairs we control. Were you from the Hollywood area or were you like? No, no, I I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, Oakland, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. So you're like 600 miles north from the industry. Uh, yeah, like uh, three, yeah, between, I uh, probably like four, 400 miles, something like that. Things, like, cause I, again, I live in a suburban neighborhood in New Jersey. I was literally just outside at a party. That's why I had to, I had to push because my across the street neighbors, uh, their kid turned out like an age. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I, had to, I had to go out and be part of the party. And they're all just regular people doing regular work. And they're like, well, what do you, you know, I'm sitting here writing movies for Hollywood. And that's like, yeah. that's like, like crazy to them. Ooh, yeah. And it, yeah. it was crazy to me too, because I, I honestly believe that there's, everybody you meet has a screenplay, has an idea, has a thought. And I was, I always meet these people like, why don't you just write it? And I realize it's because the gulf between where they're at and where Hollywood seems to be, it's not 3000 miles. It might as well be 300 million miles because yeah, it's yeah. like a distant galaxy. And that's why they never pursue it. Did you ever have that? Was there ever a moment where you're like, I, I live in Oakland. I can't go to Hollywood and be a, a movie person. Or were you always like, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm just going to go do it. I mean, how can I not? Yeah, I, well, well, you know the the Bay Area is is one of the most creative places. I mean, I haven't been there in ten years, but or more. But it's it's one of the most. Uh, it has such a rich uh, culture, yeah. and and so it creative stuff was always happening. Music was really big in Oakland, and well, and were, Hammer of, comes from Oakland, so yeah, one. yeah. That's yeah. all I know. <laughs> yeah, NC Hammer. There's, there's, there's a ton of. I, I mean, I growing up in the '90s, and you know, there was a huge uh, rap uh, culture that was in Oakland, and and a lot of that would travel, trickle down to Los Angeles, and like, like my brother went to school with the with a rapper who was uh, big in the Bay Area, and his cousin was Ice Cube, and That's there's cool. stuff like that. You know, it's it's so. I mean, it wasn't like hollywood's a far off distant thing it was more of like well i'm just gonna make it here and right. shoot it why not who what why why wouldn't i i'm just yeah. gonna do it you didn't think about it and that's that's kind of it's that naive kind of young uh hunger that fire where you just like i'm just gonna do it and you didn't even you didn't even take two seconds to think well should i do it like what's what would happen if i did this or that you just did it. That's how I got into this. And sometimes I think that you lose, you absolutely lose that, but it's sometimes you need to get back to just, okay, I'm just going to do it. I don't right. care. You have to be very stupid to do what we do. <laughs> yeah. Very, very stupid. Although well, you know, <laughs> what, you say, that. what after, you say, there's a, a very good point though. And one that I always tell, cause I, I talk to a lot of college kids. And you know, because I do comedy and I do college comedy, and then people come up to me and they go, Well, I live in Utica, 
I want to I want to do stuff. What should I do? And I said, uh, I always say, find a creative group of people. You need to have people around you who understand that generating an idea and then seeing it through to the completion is a good thing because yeah. everybody else in your life is going to say that's stupid. Like, don't yeah. do that. And yeah. it, they're not wrong. Right. They're they're only wrong until they're not, you know, like they're like it is stupid to write a screenplay because 10 million people have written one. It is stupid mm -hmm. to want to direct because 10 million people want to direct until you yeah. actually get something done. You need to be surrounded yeah. by people that go, well, OK, we probably can't make that as a feature, but we could do a short out of that. Come over to my house this weekend. Let's film it and yeah. figure all that stuff out together, because eventually yeah. one of that crew is going to do something and you're going to move up with them. That's uh, I mean, every every one of those guys that, you know, that you talk about, you know, when you think of movies and famous uh, auteurs, that's the that's what they were all doing at that age, too. Yeah. They were just doing that. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's a reason that Nike's slogan is just do it. Right. Don't <laughs> yeah. think too much. Just, yeah. I, they stole that, though. But anyway, who they steal from? There was there was a um, I forget who who gave it to him. I I don't have the data on the top of my head off right. the top of my head to to back that up. But I do know that I, I read that book. Of, Listen, we're talking something. to uh, Bill Spady is on this podcast. You don't need to back up anything you're saying. Just <laughs> whatever you want. Uh, one of the things uh, that I I think is is interesting about the difference there. It's not just being creative. It's finishing. It's just like mm -hmm. sex. It's not what you're doing. You got to finish, but you got to make sure yeah. everybody finishes. Uh, that follow through to get it done. Because I know a lot of comics that say, well, I started a screenplay. And I always say you you stopped at page 40, right? 45, right? in the As the second act was getting murky. They're like, how'd you yeah. know? And I was like, because that's when it's hard. It gets hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you stop. Yeah. It's like yeah. you can get by as a B minus worker which I am certainly, I, 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 I pray that I'm B minus. Uh, if you just get it done, like, yeah, you, know, yeah. you have a script that's finished, people can do something with it or a movie that's finished. People can, you know, judge it. It's an idea. doesn't matter unless it, it's realized. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah, I think that the follow through, I mean, I've ran into that myself. It's just, you know, trying to get things done uh the work is hard in that sense like you yeah. said you get to that page 40 and it's hard um i i used to have debates when i you know i used to work at a movie theater and there was a screenwriter that worked with me and we were you know shoveling popcorn right. and he was talking about how it was so much easier to write a drama in 1970 and they made movies for you know, 20 million or 30 million that you don't see today that that that, that mid-level you know, prestige. That, yeah, yeah. And he was talking about how hard it is to do this and how hard it is to do that. And I said, yeah, but, you know, if you were around in 1970 trying to write a movie, it still would be the exact same right. level of difficulty. It's, it's never hard. It's never easy. It's never. Yeah, it's, it, there were there were challenges that that you would have had to face then that you don't face now. And even now it's hard, but you got, there's a lot to your advantage today. You don't need a movie studio today. Right. Um, you, you don't have to get pulled into that studio system in terms of where, you know, they fill up all the 
slots and these guys are their workers and it's an actual job that they go to every day. So there's no room for anybody else kind of thing. You're not, you're not uh, trying to get, you know, I I just read about Polly Platt trying to get into the union. She had already done, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Texas, the the movie in Texas, the last picture show. She had already done oh, yeah. TikTok, mm-hmm. and uh, she's still not in the union. She's trying to get into the union. You, <laughs> it's crazy, right? The seventies. Anybody that says it was easier at a certain time is wrong. It's always yeah. difficult. It doesn't it's, matter. Yeah, and it and it just it comes down to that perseverance and that you know, like you said, it is crazy. Mm-hmm. I know when I went a hundred you have to go a hundred percent in and i i really i knew the time when i went a hundred percent in with this is what i'm gonna do that i just kind of chopped it up to okay i better do it because i'm not gonna have any other skills (laughs) (laughs) i dedicate my life to this you know right i'm gonna have to to move to the midwest and do industrial filmmaking for slaughterhouses i don't i don't want to do that (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it just, it comes down to that and it comes down to, you know, having a good idea, having that community, like that support system in terms of where you said, find those creatives that want to do this as well. And finding those people and just going toe to toe, just working every day on stuff. So. I think that's the key. Well, if I, if I could just say one thing to add that, that's, that's all beautiful. Uh, one thing I would yeah. add too is uh, it, it's going to suck in your head when you're writing it or when you're doing it. It always, there comes a moment. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Buzz, our director. Uh, yeah. I think I was three, he was three quarters of the way through the editing process. And I'm like, what do you think? And he was like, I hate this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I hate everything. I've seen it. 400 times I hate it I don't want to ever see it again and yeah he, and he said and this is true he's like I legitimately don't know if it's good or bad because I I'm living with it yeah uh, when you're when there's an idea in your head that you are realizing into the uh, the clay uh, the your 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 sculptor's hands you're trying to make it real it uh, it never plays like it, it, it's supposed to in your mind. It's it's this is the platonic ideal. The reality is bad. You can make reality better, but you got to get it done. Otherwise, yeah. there's nothing. There's no second draft of an idea. You just have to you have to write the idea down. Yeah, and the idea honestly, it it starts to form its own way, like you yeah. said. That that clay it starts to form and it starts to go in its own direction. And, and you do get too close to those projects. I, I can't imagine, I, that, when he's, I'm not gonna edit this new film. Right. And part of me is happy that I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I, of getting so close to it and you, and you see it so much. And then, I mean, I'm still gonna be in the editing booth. I'm still gonna be, you know, every step of the way, you know, trying to make this the best project we can make it absolutely but i mean it definitely you get to a point where like buzz said you don't you can't tell you're so close that and you've seen the thing a million times i have a lot of projects like that where i've seen it so much 
I'm like, ah. Eh. And, and then by the time you're ready to show somebody, you're cringing in the back of the auditorium or wherever you are. Because you you only see the imperfections. Yeah, yeah. You never you and and you have to just rely on. Well, I hope people like it. Right. Well, here's how I know uh, I'm not meant to be a director because I'm currently working on the second draft of our movie, and mm -hmm. I'm bored with it already. I'm like, this is too, this is ugh. two times I've yeah. had to read this script. This is insane. <laughs> I wrote it. It's done. I got to look at yeah. it again. Too much effort. Well, that's you know that's the Hitchcock thing, right? What's you know that? No, what's uh, Hitchcock and I, I'm sure Buzz has spoke about this. That um, we're both real huge uh, Hitchcock fans, and right. I studied him. I think um, I told you I showed my daughter Vertigo over the uh, winter break, and she still hasn't forgiven me. Oh yeah, yeah, that's one of his. It's arguably one of his personal, one of his most personal films. Uh, yeah, uh, well, my daughter was not happy with the ending. She was like, "If I ever run into this Alfred Hitchcock, I got some words for him." <laughs> Go on, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But no, no, his whole thing that he became, I mean, he, he was in that kind of studio system where he climbed the ladder he was, you know, scripty, did all these, all these different jobs. And he, and he went all the way up to the top to the point where his pre-production process was so thorough, was so um, calculated right. that he had already made the movie basically. Right. Like he had, he had gone through the script, every little detail, every shot, that everything was storyboarded. He would shoot in such a manner that the studios couldn't recut it a different way. Because he just he shot was, it as the movie in his head. As it I is in his head. And he didn't leave anything to chance. Like he didn't give them any extra work or any extra scenes or angles or anything. It's right. exactly how it has to be because that's how he wanted it. But then by the time he was ready to go to principal production, when they're about to roll the cameras, he said he was bored. He said he's already made, he's already made the movie. He said after his pre-production process, he says, oh, like, it was, like it was a pain. Like he's like, oh, now we, now we got to shoot this thing. I, I, now it's actually work. The fun stuff yeah. done. Yeah. All right. But on I, that I, note, Jonathan Lewis Lewis, I'm going to thank you for joining us on the speaking podcast. It's, I say us. It's just me today. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you're promoting? Can I can I put people towards your social media, or do you not care? Do you have anything you want people to see? Uh, no, not right now. I mean, I'm I'm ba uh, psycho uh, psycho brother-in-law is is the big thing right now that I'm working on, and the new movie. You know, yeah, so it's gonna be great. I'm excited. Um, yeah. We're working all this 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 month and next month to get it ready. We're so. excited to have you, and uh, I'll tell you what: shoot a lot of coverage because I'm going to recut it. I'm uh, yes, <laughs> I'm going to take it out of your hands, and we're going to recut. No, I'm only joking. Jonathan Lewis Lewis, the very talented producer of Psycho Storm Chaser, and a directing talent that you're all about to see in a couple of months with the new project and with many more to come. Guys, a uh, big, bright, shining star, and you got to meet him here on the Speaking Podcast. Thanks for joining, Jonathan. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man.